Oh, heard my music going. What's up, everyone? This is Uncle Devin, the children's drum cushionist. And I'm so glad that you're here to join us again for another episode of Weed Nation Podcast. This is where we get a chance to do a deep dive and talk to many of the movers and shakers that makes family music tick. And so I'm glad that you're here with us. And we're going to go straight into it because I have a wonderful guest with us today. Uh, someone that really helps us in many different ways. You know, many of you know me as an artist. That means I play music for children. But there's so many people behind the scenes that helps make uh, the platforms for us to play in actually come together. These are what we call those that are in the administration side of things and, and promotions and, and so many other wonderful things. So today, our guest comes to us uh, here in Washington, D.C., where I'm located in the nation's capital. Uh, she works for the D.C. Commission on Arts and Humanities. And uh, but also even outside of that, even before that, and even outside of that, she's done so much wonderful things uh, in the field of um, arts and, and education that I want to make sure that we come and bring her in and let her come and just share with you what she does. Her name is Allery Clark. She's again uh, with, did I pronounce that right, Allery? Yes, you did. Oh, that's right. Get the, get the emphasis correct. Welcome to We Nation Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. Now, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Um, I know that you you work for the D.C. Commission of Arts and Humanities, but before you even started there, tell a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and kind of your, your background. Yeah, so I've always loved the arts. It's one of those things that my parents, you know, put me in extracurricular arts activities as a child, just to give me something to do and, um, you know, help me to learn different things. And I don't even think that they anticipated how much I would literally fall in love. So I think I was about nine years old when I came home and told my parents that I wanted to be an actress. And fortunately for me, they were very supportive and they found me community theater groups to be a part of. So I did a lot of performing as a kid and, you know, starred in, in things like The Wiz. As I was Dorothy in The Wiz and all different types of plays um, that I really enjoyed. And I'm originally from Philadelphia. So when it was time to go to high school, I really wanted to go to a performing arts high school. So I went to Philadelphia's only public performing arts high school called the Creative and Performing Arts. Um, and majored in drama. And so I studied there more about being an actor. And it was really in high school that I started learning other loves about myself. So, you know, most high school girls start babysitting. So I started babysitting to earn extra money and really realized my love for working with kids. About right. the same time in 11th grade, um, as a part of the curriculum at the Performing Arts High School, we had to start performing at various elementary schools. So we would go to different schools and perform well-known books like The Three Little Kids, Three Little Pigs, or Mary Had a Little Lamb. And mm -hmm. so by interacting with kids, again, I really started to learn my love for working with kids and working in the arts um, and engaging kids in that way. So about mm. that time, I was like, oh, wow, I really like this and really like introducing kids to the arts. Um, around that time is when I also probably started losing less of an interest in performing mm. and more of an interest in the production and administration side. So I started mm. stage managing in high school. Mm -hmm. I stage managed our high school musical, which is a huge deal for a performing arts high school, a mm. very big production. Um, and absolutely loved it. And I realized, mm -hmm. why would I want to be a performer when I can like <laughs> be the boss and tell people what to do and run rehearsals? Uh -huh. Um 
So ironically, that was also about the time that I started looking into colleges. And so Mm -hmm. realizing all these different interests of myself, I -hmm. found out that you can go to school for arts administration and learn how to manage the business side of the arts. So Mm -hmm. along with some other criteria that I have for myself, such as going to school in a major city, also went to go to a HBCU, Mm -hmm. um, I stumbled upon Howard. And so Howard (laughs) met all of my criteria for what I was looking for in terms of a school location and the program. And I applied, of course, and then moved to Washington, D.C. So I've been Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. ever since then. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love my program at Howard. I'm a true black bison through and through (laughs) um, and love D.C. so much that I continue to stay here. And again, in my matriculation through Howard, just further defined my love for the administration side of the arts. Um, And since graduating, have just had a career in that. Um, But more specifically, arts education, again, realizing my love with connecting students to the arts specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember listening to an interview with the late, great Dick Gregory, and he always talked about the money is not in performing, but it's in, he said in this case, the writing. He says, so if Bill Cosby was a billionaire, the person that wrote all his jokes was a four-time billionaire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you t- <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit more, especially for those children and families that are listening. Um uh, t- let's just go into a little bit further about the other side, the business side. How why is it important to consider the business side of uh performing or arts? Yeah. So to me, um, also when I was at Howard, you know, in my arts administration program, which is Mm -hmm. under the Division of Fine Arts, Mm -hmm. um, at the time that I was going there, there were only four of us that were students in that program. So, of Mm -hmm. course, the acting program was at capacity. The musical theater program was at capacity. And so when I went there and realized how many students were actually majoring in the business side of the arts, it gave me a, a fuller responsibility because it made me realize how necessary this is. You know, so many people learn about the performing side. And of course, it's important. We need arts in the world. But especially now in the world of social media, you know, that's a lot of what you see are the people Mm -hmm. that are on the stage. And even at Howard, I realized there are so few of us that are learning the business side because it's also important to navigate. You know, even as artists, you know how to create, but you still Mm -hmm. have to sign those contracts and make those deals and build those relationships. And if you don't have that business training, you either need to get that business training or partner Mm -hmm. with somebody like me who is Mm -hmm. really focused on learning it. And especially as I've gotten older, realizing the need to tell our stories as African-Americans and Mm -hmm. how I don't think that happens as much as it should be because of what you mentioned, those people that are behind the scenes and making the decisions don't always look like us. Mm -hmm. And so I feel a greater responsibility to be an administrator to also help to get our stories out for our community. Yes. So in Philadelphia, you went to the only performing arts school. um, uh, Is it, it, was it a, Is it similar to like the Duke Ellington School of the Mm -hmm. Arts here in D.C.? Okay. Yeah. So it's under the public school system, just like Duke Ellington is. So it's the Mm -hmm. only there might be other performing arts um, schools, but they're either private or charter. But this is the only public one by the Philadelphia School District. Yeah. I know there had to be some very some people who then went on to fame that came through there. Can you name some? Yeah, so Jasmine Sullivan is one of uh-huh. them. Yes. Um, Boys to Men is another oh, one. And then okay. also The Roots. Yep, The yes. Roots is there as well. Okay, say no more. I'm a Roots fan. I'm, a, I'm Actually, I'm all of those fans. Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay, yeah. And so I now how about when you were there? 
what is so i was there when jasmine sullivan was there okay um she's maybe a a, a year or two younger than me you know at this point it was so long ago mm -hmm. um but we were there at the same time okay great so you're here in dc you kind of now have the roots from philadelphia and dc and and there's a huge connection between Philadelphia and DC, especially with the uh, the official music of DC, which is go-go music. You may or may not know, but the original go-go beat, the drum beat that you hear, actually is connected to Grover Washington Jr. in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So if you think about Mr. Magic, the song Mr. Magic that he had, and that's really the go-go beat. Dun, mm -hmm. dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Dun, dun. And that's what Chuck Brown had his drummer play in between songs and put percussion mm -hmm. behind it. So there's always been that link. And that's why uh, Jill Scott can have so much success, um, you know, partnering with uh, go, go bands here and, and why her music is so popular as well. So mm -hmm. there's always that connection. I so never knew that. Wow. Yes. Yes. There's that direct connection there. And, um, and, I, and, and that's part of what I try to do is now teach this history. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's so rich and so uh, there's so many different connections that are there. So now you're working with the uh, D.C. Commission on Arts and Humanities kind of in an administrative role as well, helping people and helping artists find ways to thrive in the city. And so um, when did you first start in that position? Yeah, so I started in October 2020. So I think okay. I'm at six months now. So OK, great, great. <laughs> Well, I'm so indebted to uh, the, uh, the, the commission uh, because it does provide so many opportunities for us artists, including myself. And um, and so it's just a wonderful uh, opportunity there. And so in terms of doing some of the um, uh, the work that you do and we, we talked about doing, um, I guess, what, what are some of the, the actual duties that you do in that in that particular position so that children can know what other work that they can do in this uh, in this area outside of actually being an artist? Yeah, so my official title there is the Arts Learning Coordinator, mm -hmm. um, but it's a fancy way of saying that I'm the Arts Education Manager for the Commission. Mm -hmm. And okay. so I manage all of the Arts Education grants. And so if an individual artist like yourself or an organization um, that focuses on a program of working with students, when they apply, I'm their grant manager. So mm -hmm. what that means is I help to facilitate their contract. I help to facilitate their payments. Um, uh -huh. And do all the different things that are related to from the time that a person applies for a grant to the time that they are have to do the final report. So uh -huh. everything in between is what I manage. Now, uh -huh. one misconception I know um, just from working at the commission so far um, that I think people don't realize is we are not the ones that determine the funds. Right. And so there is a separation between those of us who manage the grants and those who um, actually say who should get awarded or not. And Absolutely. Then, and that is standard, you know, across yeah. the board in philanthropy, mm -hmm. but that's also to help with checks and balances. And so that's right. the commission specifically, we bring in residents who are professionals and artists themselves who live in yes. D.C., um, to be a part of a panel and read all of the applications to determine who should get funded. And they tell mm -hmm. us who they recommend out of all of the eligible applicants who should get funded. So right. once that is determined, you know, there's a few other things that happen, but I'll save the details. Sure. But once those people are um, determined who should get awarded, then I resume my process and making sure that that happens. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, 
We also have some other programs that we conduct that are specifically to arts education um, mm -hmm. that I manage. For example, we also help do the National Poetry Out Loud program. I manage mm -hmm. the DC um, program and competition. Um, mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, it's a national program. So every state does their own rendition of the program. And then every state sends their state winner to the national competition put on by the National Endowment for the Arts. Mm -hmm. DC is not a state, but we operate as a state in that way. And uh -huh. so that's actually coming up next month and our DC uh -huh. winner will compete in the national competition. Wow. And then, and then we do um, other programs. Like we have a panel coming up that you're on, Uncle Devin, later yes. this month. Yes. Um, where we will talk about virtual learning. And uh -huh. that is literally just a panel of professionals that we're conducting. So we do grants as well as other programs, really to serve as like professional development um, for those that directly work with students. Well, we know that the COVID-19 has had an impact on many different people. Let me ask you, how have, you know, what impact has it had on, on you and what have you done differently since um, the pandemic that you may not have done if it wasn't for the pandemic? Yeah, you know, I've been really fortunate during the pandemic. Um, I live alone. And mm -hmm. so it's been a great time of self-reflection for myself and really to just realign some things, you know, mm -hmm. normally in what I call regular life, you kind of just go day to day and you think about some of your goals or think about some things that you want to do, but you mm -hmm. just get sucked into the busy nature and the day to day and you yes. look up and then it's been six months and you haven't done it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And so this has really been a time of pause and reflection for myself. You know, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, I was able to get a new job in the pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, yes. which I feel very fortunate for. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really just helped me being at home and being still to really think about some things. Now, I realize mm -hmm. that has not been the case for everyone. And that's been a it's been a tough you know, mm -hmm. situation for some people, especially mentally. But I do think that if you're in the mental space, mm -hmm. um, you know, this can be a great time of progression and reflection, even in the pandemic, as ironic right. as it sounds. Right. <laughs> well, for those who may be just tuning in, um, I'm Uncle Devin, the children's drum cushionist, and you're listening to We Nation Radio, or, or actually We Nation Podcast. And my guest today is Allerie Clark. She's the arts learning coordinator for the D.C. Commission on Arts and Humanities. But we're just having a wonderful conversation about the entire field of, of arts, because many times only the only thing people focus on is the performer and not those that are uh, behind, you know, behind the stage that, that pays us. Those that actually, uh, you said stage manager. Talk a little bit about that. You used to be a stage manager. What does that really entail if someone's interested in that? Yeah, I actually love stage managing. I also continue to stage manage in college. Mm -hmm. um, but a stage manager is really considered someone who runs the show um, mm -hmm. during the actual performances, but also serves as a liaison between the cast, um, those mm -hmm. who are performing in a production or play, um, with the design um, and production staff. So the director, the costume designer, the set designer, the stage mm -hmm. manager serves as a liaison between those two groups. Mm -hmm. The stage manager also helps to run rehearsals and keep everyone on time. You know, mm -hmm. the people that I mentioned before, the director, the designers, they really mm -hmm. focus on the, art, 
on the artistic side and the mm-hmm. stage manager is in charge of, you know, making sure breaks happen, making sure mm-hmm. we start and end on time right. um, and all those different things. And then, like I said, when it's time to the actual performances, the stage manager calls the show. So at mm-hmm. that point, the director is done, the designers are done and nothing happens during the actual play or concert without the stage manager saying go. So you could be an audience member just sitting in the um, audience in the house. Mm -hmm. And if you see the lights come on, if you see an actor come on stage, all of that is because the stage manager is making it happen. So that's right. I truly love doing it. (laughs) If I can use a football analogy, it's the quarterback. Nothing happens without. Yeah, that that the, the, the the that's the person that really. Uh, you know, make sure everything is cohesive. And the, also within arts, that's one, just like a football team, you have different players. So you got those that are actually, um, like I say, the performers, you got the stage managers, but you mentioned telling someone to turn the lights on. There's a, a field that people can go into that's just about mm-hmm. lighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see what else we have. We have agents. Someone's yes. got to sign them. So you got yeah. that. You have someone that has to uh, provide the uh, public relations or the PR for for them. So the the marketing. So if you if you have a desire to go into the arts, but you may not be able to play an instrument or be an actor or actress or uh, do poetry or writer or painting. There's so many other aspects of this that you can really get into. And uh, and and this is a good way of doing it. I don't want to talk too much about the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities, but I do know that there's a way that people can find out more about them uh, through the website. Um, uh, I, I used to know it offhand. Do you know it offhand? It's, yes, it's dc.arts.gov. Okay. That's it, dc.arts.gov. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that, um, you know, you can also file, find more information about them. So now this is where you are now. Let's talk about where you where, where what's your vision for the future? Where would you like to be? What's your what's some of your ambitions and, and where you would like to see yourself, let's say five or ten years from now? Yeah, so I would love to eventually become the executive director of an arts. Um, and cultural mm. organization, um, yes. specifically, and hopefully, you know, something geared towards arts education and working with students. Mm-hmm. Um, but I truly just love programming. I love mm-hmm. creating experiences that I say mm-hmm. can potentially change the trajectory of someone's life. And mm-hmm. you never know whether it's a student or an adult, you know, what art exhibit they may attend or performance they may go to that Mm -hmm. will help the spark an idea that will inspire them, that will educate them. And even though I'm not the ones actually, you know, performing or actually giving the art, just Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm played a big part in making sure that that person can experience that is Mm -hmm. so fulfilling to me. And so there are plenty of events that I've been a part of where I'm standing in the back of the room and watching (laughs) everyone have a great time and Mm -hmm. knowing that I help orchestrate that, Um, just really warms my heart. And so even if it's not specific to arts education, um, I hope that I'm an executive director of some organization that offers those similar experiences to the D.C. community. Um, I'm not from here, but I've been here so long. This place is truly dear to my heart. So I feel like I'm from here. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, that's that's a great uh, goal to, to achieve. And I think that um, again, having these entities that really create the space for us to do what we do, we're we're definitely indebted to to the people like you to help create it. You're almost um, sort of an event planner in a sense. 
Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, well, it takes a lot of because even being an event planner requires a lot of organization, uh, coordinating uh, many different parts, moving parts together to make them come together as as one whole. So, OK, mm -hmm. well, well, wonderful. Well, you know, I again, I, I'm just you know, we met uh, briefly uh, about a month ago and I wanted to have you come on just to talk a little bit about that, because I want people to know that we're not just talking about music. We're not just talking about the arts. We're talking about the entire process that makes up of, uh, in this case, family music. But in your case, we talk about all aspects of children. There's art for youth. There's art for adults. It's art for everyone because it's a part of culture and everyone takes, uh, you know, participates uh, in all of that. So yeah. I want to thank you for taking some time to to be here and to share with you, you know, your experience. If ever uh, you need anything and if you ever need to make any announcements about something, that's what we're here for. We're just trying to be a, a resource to our community so that um, people can know uh, that these services exist. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. And we love having you as a grantee. <laughs> yes. Oh, so. I got to mention that. That's right. And, you know, and, and I, I, I need to let other artists know. I know many times we think that when you apply for certain things, oh, I'll never get it. It'll never happen to me. P apply. Please apply to these programs. Yes. And the good thing about what they do here in D.C., even if, if you get your application done in advance, you can submit it. They will review it before the pro the time and give you some feedback on what you might need to change. Yes. So please take advantage of it, especially now during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. There's so many resources on a, on a local level and on a federal level with the CARES Act that you really, this is a time for you to really get your, your business house in order. And organizations like this are here to help us with that. So thank, I want to, uh, uh, publicly thank DC Commission of Arts and Humanities for uh, assisting me and assisting so many other artists in the, in the DC area so that we can thrive and do what we do. Yes, and we are happy to do it. I know I'm definitely excited about working here now and all of the yes. new things that we'll do, like you said, to support artists. So I'm excited and we're mm -hmm. honored to help you further your work as well. I love it. Well, thank you again for being here. And to everyone else, we want to thank you for being a, a guest and being with us here on We Nation podcast. Remember, you can follow us uh, on WeNationRadio.com and you can visit us anytime there. It's our 24-7 online children's radio station that uh, is the best in family-friendly global beats for little feet. And we don't just play. We, we, this is not Barney music. Mm -mm. You're playing hip hop, jazz, funk, go-go, reggae, um, calypso, and world music, um, all for and designed for children and families. So check us out. We're on uh, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, uh, uh, Hey Google, and and uh, Hey Alexa, or uh, the Amazon Alexa app. And then also um, every Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. on WPFW 89.3 FM, I host, and my wife and I host our own show underneath the same name, uh, One Hour Ch Family Children's Music, where we play music, we have story times, we do interviews, we have um, book authors come on and listen. Now, um, so we, we will be uh, sharing that with you as well. So thank you all for being here. It is definitely my honor to have you all come here. And just remember, as I always say, life is a drum, so beat it.
This is brought to you by the...